0: Views and opinions expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of their employers. This podcast may not be suitable for children. Adults may find details triggering and or offensive. Listeners discretion is advised. Hi, everyone. This is Norma. And this is Priscilla. And you're listening to It's It's a Mystery for for Me. welcome back to another episode of it's the mystery for me and guess who's hosting i am i was gonna say it rhymes (laughs) with borma (laughs) borma i don't know what else rhymes with norma i have no idea me neither so exactly (laughs) anyways norma is hosting today and um i mean what has happened since we last talked to you guys oh yeah carly russell Russell happened, Mm -hmm. right? So we were trying to be, you know, not for nothing, politically correct um, when we first discussed it. But if I'm being honest, I actually did not think that she had lied. Before everyone else started speculating, like, I really genuinely thought, like, Mm -hmm. she got snatched, for real, Mm -hmm. and I was concerned. Um, But then when they said she walked into her home and the police were taking a few days to just let people know what was going on, that's when I thought something was off. I mean, I think for me, Mm. when I saw a little bit of footage from the highway on TikTok, and it didn't seem like there was another person there. It just, you see her getting out of the car, walking to the other side. And then it looks like she walks into the woods. I was kind of like, okay, where's the rest of the clip? I didn't even see the, I mean, I saw the clip, but...
1: I, I thought, thought there it was, was hard more to, to look it. at. So I, was I like, thought it was
0: hard to see what was going on in me. Mean, it was hard to see, but I think they kind of zoomed in as much as they could. I guess, okay. Um, but I still felt like, okay, there has to be more to the clip that they're not letting out on purpose. Right. While the investigation is ongoing. That's what I thought. Right. And honestly, now looking back, I bet the detectives knew within the first 24 hours that she had just kind of staged this, right? Because they talk about the type of Google searches she was making and, you know, the FBI looking into it and whoever else. And I'm like, mm, that tells me that y'all probably pulled that information right away mm-hmm. and probably knew. But at the same time, they can't just come out and say it because, you know, there's always that 1% chance. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, we've seen it time and time in these cases, right? Yeah. Where it's like just weird coincidences that lead to yeah. something. And it's like, Maybe she googled that, but then maybe she really got taken. For real. Right. So, I think they were like, let's just hold this close to the chest until we know. But now that we know, I think that, you know, she probably was just trying to get her um boyfriend's attention. Listen, if you're trying to get your boyfriend's attention, I can tell you this now, you know, from looking back at stuff, it's not a healthy relationship. You shouldn't feel like this desperation of oh my god I need this person to talk to me I need them to talk to me like that's not good Mm -hmm. you know um I think a lot of us have been there now she took it to an extreme Uh, I mean now she's charged with what filing a false police report Mm -hmm. and then something else similar to that yeah you tried to get your boyfriend's attention and you ended up with a a record (laughs) with a criminal record and your face is plastered everywhere and hundreds of thousands of people or millions of people are giving their two cents okay that's a lot of pressure and for someone who probably likely is already struggling with mental health i don't know how she's dealing with this at this point maybe she just turned off the tv and stopped looking at her phone type of thing because how i don't know Um, her mugshot was really nice, though. (laughs) I was like, that That skin is glowing. (laughs) That skin is glowing. Um, so she has that going for her. But if she would have hit me up, I would have told her, Carly, there's levels to this. Let's start very small. We do something that just gets his attention. Then we take it up a notch and involve the families. Okay. (laughs) Or like just his family or your family and then both families. I don't know, but there's just levels to this. Mm Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? but um you know that's the old me what i would say but nah that's still the new me too i would give that advice but i would give that advice to people who really are struggling with that and if they're uncertain about leaving someone i think you could tell people a lot to leave somebody but they're you know they gotta decide that on their own sure. so if someone came out to me in desperation like i'm not ready to leave what can i do i'd be like all right let's take a seat Pull out that book. Right. Let me (laughs) let me flip back to the year twenty ten. Hold on. Um, all right, here we go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So hopefully she does get the help she needs, but um, you know, you it was just such an extreme thing to do because not only did she affect her own life, Mm -hmm. she affected lives of everyone around her, her family, her friends. Like now everywhere they go, they're gonna be asked about her and stuff, and it's not in a positive light. And, you know, there's just a lot of embarrassment there, a lot of shame there. So, and then look at her man now. He called her his ex in his post, first of all. And then um, he is now, like, hosting something. Did you see that in Atlanta? Yeah. Like, some sort of, like... But now he's not hosting it, apparently. On, on the advice she... of his attorney. Um, but he's really just out there now. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? If anything, it just... When you chase people like that, it pushes them further away. you yeah. got to stand your ground and, you know what, know your worth. Yeah. And just be like, all right, if you're not, if you're not jacking it anymore, then okay. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Go over there. Yeah, if you're not checking for me, I'm not checking for you. Yes. That's the power you need to stand in. And I think a lot of us get to that stage at different times in our life. Mm-hmm. And if you get to that stage very early, you're very lucky. Yeah. It took me a while. Yeah, Same. Um, but now that I'm there, it's like, whew, yeah, I don't recognize the old me. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm like, who's that girl? Mm-mm. I feel the same way. Yeah. It's like, I survived that. I can survive anything. Exactly. That's how I feel. Exactly. So um, all of that to say, let's not go to the Carly Russell extreme, okay, y'all? Like, just take a deep breath and maybe just watch Take in the movie, right? Just like that seems safe enough just watch it's a, movie. a good movie yeah it, it really a good is to mm-hmm. great movie okay and i'm sure the views on that movie went up that week surprise is not like number one on netflix right now yeah They're trending i'm surprised too it probably was i never Maybe. checked but anyways um all right so on to this week's case for today's episode i watched a show on investigation discovery i don't want to say the name because okay. i feel like it'll give it away and another show on hulu and then i also looked at articles from abc 7 news la times cbs news and a few others whoa these are like very big sources oh, yeah. and names okay mm-hmm. well all right well for our full list of today's sources go ahead and check out our website is the mystery for or click the link in today's show notes This story takes us back to 2009 in Los Angeles, California. This is a case of Mitrice Richardson. Mitrice Richardson was born on April 30th, 1985, to Latice Sutton and Michael Richardson in Covina, California. I think I'm saying that right. So in 2009, Matrice was 24 years old. Her mother, Latice, she was pregnant with Mitrice in her senior year of high school. So, they were young parents, basically. And in 1989, Michael got into some trouble, and he ended up going to prison for eight years. I'm not sure what he did. Well, damn. But, yeah. So, Latisse ended up marrying um, Larry Sutton, who's Maitrice's stepfather. Okay. So, Maitrice grew up with her mother and her stepfather in San Gabriel Valley, where she graduated from South Hills High School. Even though her biological father, Michael, wasn't necessarily in her life as she was growing up, they did get closer as she got older. Okay. Mitrice is described as beautiful inside and out and wise beyond her years. Her mother describes her as just being a ball of energy. She loved to laugh. She loved to joke. Her aunt Lauren described her as a beauty queen, a cheerleader, an amazing student. She was very loving, a vivacious personality, and full of life. Whatever Mitrice did, she gave 100% to. She loved dancing. She would compete in dancing competitions. She even did pageant competitions. In 2009, Mitrice graduated with honors with a degree in psychology from California State University in Fullerton, California and she had hoped to become a child psychologist with a focus on working with kids in the foster care system Mm -hmm. in the summer of 2009 matrice was living with her grandmother i'm sorry her great-grandmother who was 91 at the time mildred in south los angeles and like any typical 24 year old she was trying to figure out what was next for her a few years earlier she came out to her family as being a lesbian And she was starting to really embrace her sexuality. And so, when she told her family that she was going to become a go go dancer at a gay and lesbian club, they were kind of like, okay, well, this is not shocking to us because we kind of saw this coming. What is a go go dancer for people who don't know? So, a go go dancer, if people don't know, um, they just dance in a club, but they don't take their clothes off. They They just dance sexy, you know, and like have on cute outfits. Right. yeah Yeah. maybe i was a go-go dancer in a past life i always wanted to be one which is so strange you yeah when i was a teenager i'm shocked because i love dancing i was like wow they make good money and they don't take off their clothes that's awesome true but this now takes us to september 16 2009 It was a wednesday and my she also had a job as a secretary at a shipping company and her boss recalls that she was very giggly and just excited so at around 5 p.m she was at home with her great grandma mildred and they chatted for a little bit and then she was on her way to malibu at around 7 p.m she gets to malibu just as the sun is setting During her drive, she spots a restaurant called Joffrey's. And she pulls in and there's valet parking. So the guy that's handling the valet parking, he basically told her, you know, I'm parking car right now. I'll be right with you. So when he returned, she's waiting in his car. In the valet driver's car? Yes. And he thought that this was very bizarre so he's kind of like um like can i help you like why are you in my car and he notices that she's going through cds and she's talking in broken sentences he thought that was very strange she also mentioned something along the lines of i'm here to avenge michael jackson's death granted this is 2009 i mean she was down for the cause yeah I guess (laughs) I mean but that is I mean yeah I guess that's strange yes of course that is it's a little strange strange, but then you know he still parks her car and she goes in and she orders a steak dinner with an ocean breeze drink which is I try to look up like what it is it's either vodka or rum and a little bit of lemonade or cranberry juice I don't know but it's an alcoholic Mm -hmm. drink And then she notices a table next to her and they seem to be having a good time. So she's like, oh, like, let me join them. So she walks over to them and she starts having a conversation with them and saying very random things. Like she was from Mars and she's telling them about her mother, Mother Earth and the ocean is calling her. Just things that were very random. Mm. And she chatted with them for a while and then she eventually got up and she made her way to the exit. But she stopped by the manager because she didn't pay her bill. And her bill was $89. She was pretty nonchalant about the whole thing and she asked if she could call someone to settle her bill, specifically her great-grandma, Mildred. And so at around 9.30 p.m. that night, her great-grandma receives a phone call and she's concerned, obviously, so she immediately is just like, okay, I'll give you my credit card over the phone. But they wanted a faxed signature, and she doesn't have a fax machine. Wow. It really yeah. is 2009, because what? <laughs> yeah. So she tells them, I can't drive either. I'm 91. Like, that is too far of a drive for me. Oh, and it's about wow. 60 miles wow. from where they live. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, they're not able to take down her credit card, and now they have this unsettled bill. So, the staff actually are talking amongst each other, and they're trying to come up with a way to get the money together to pay her bill. Oh, that's so nice. Um, But the manager, like, intercepted that conversation, was like, no, I think we need to call the cops. See, I would have paid her bill Mm -hmm. if I was there. I've done that for people. Like right. like sometimes people just need help. And I don't know like calling the cops because of that because she's not paying her bill even though she did make an effort and her grandma Mildred or great grandma mm-hmm. did try to pay it. It's like I feel like they should take that into account and it's just like yeah. I don't know. Taking I don't know. I I just feel like calling the cops is always a last resort. I think so, too. Um, The manager made it out to seem like he felt that was in her best interest because she was acting bizarre. Mm. Um, They felt like she was having some sort of mental breakdown. Right. And that it wouldn't be safe to just let her just go out there. Like, she could hurt herself or hurt someone else. I see. I see. So the manager went on to say like later on, just based off of these articles, that he thought that calling 911 police would take over and maybe bring her to the hospital or something. Mm. Um, But we'll see if that even happens. So when the police from the Malibu Lost Hills Sheriff's Station arrive, they pretty much escort her out and they give her a sobriety test and she passes it. But the thing is, again, the food bill is still unpaid. So she tells them that she thinks that she left her wallet in her car. So now they're searching through her car, and they go through the center console, and they find marijuana. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. So now instead of just giving her a ticket for not paying this bill, she's charged with possession of less than an ounce of marijuana. So... Basically, she's charged with defrauding an innkeeper and possession of marijuana. She's taken to the Lost Hills station where she is booked, fingerprinted, and locked in a jail cell. Now, mind you, the police station itself is 20 miles from Joffrey's, this restaurant. And it's located on a windy, hilly road in the Santa Monica Mountains. At around 10 p.m., her mom gets wind of what's happening, and she ends up calling the police station. But at this point, Matrice and cops, they have not gotten to the station just yet. But she is having a conversation with the deputy sheriff at the time, and she basically tells him, like, can you please, you know, just keep her in your custody because Matrice has a 10-year-old sister, like remember this is a Wednesday night so I'm thinking like her mom doesn't want to wake up the sister it's an hour drive and an hour back so Mm -hmm. she just kind of wants to handle this in the morning honestly as much as she was worried she just assumed that Matrice had too much to drink right you know the deputy sheriff basically assures her that don't worry she's going to be in her custody um and so that makes her feel a little bit better. But her mom did make a comment that, you know, she would hate to wake up in the morning to a report of a girl lost somewhere with her head chopped off. Her mom said that? Yes. Oh, interesting. And the reason why she said that, she's like, Matrice is not familiar with the area. She knows that like, it's like in the mountain range. So she's like, please just keep her there in your custody. So in the morning of Thursday, September 17th, 2009, Latisse calls the sheriff's apartment at around 5.20 a.m. to confirm picking up Matrice. But apparently Matrice was released at 12.30 a.m. They did that because she had a clean record and to them there was no signs of mental incapacitation. So the jailer apparently told Matrice that she could wait in the cell Or she could wait in the lobby But she didn't want to do that So she ends up leaving Matrice ends up leaving the jail In the dark, completely alone She has no phone, no wallet She just has her driver's license And her car keys in her hand She is last seen leaving the station Wearing a shirt, jeans, a brown hat A pink belt And Vans sneakers Is her car at the police station? No it was impounded close by jeffrey's the restaurant so at this point her mom's confused she's like wait a second i spoke to the deputy like we made this arrangement why would he just let her go at 12:30 a.m. and her mom also said if you are planning on releasing her tonight just let me know and i will absolutely make the drive she was just saying like if i don't have to make the drive i don't want to make the drive but if you are going to release her let me know right But apparently the deputy on duty that night did not inform anyone else about this conversation with her mom. So no one knew about it. Her mom ends up calling everyone she could think of and no one has heard from Matrice. On the record of like their police book, it looked like she called her great grandma four times. But when her mom spoke to the great grandma, Mildred, she said, I didn't talk to Matrice at all. She never called me from the police station. That's odd. Yeah. So I'm confused. Wait I don't think minute. any calls went out. Wait a minute. So back it up a little bit. Yeah. Why do they think that she called the grandma? Because the police records like on their books, it looks like she made four calls to her great grandma. They just wrote it out like yes. calls to grandma, yeah. but That's she actually she never night. called no grandma. She, no. Who does she call? I don't think that she called anyone at all. Do you not get what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess. But I guess that's kind of strange. They just wrote it down as if she did, but she didn't actually call anyone. Maybe they thought she was calling someone. What if she picked up the phone and just started talking? You know? I'm curious now. If she was, like, mm -hmm. saying off things, what if they genuinely thought that she was on the phone with the grandma? I mean, that's a possibility, too. But they made it seem like she had an actual conversation each time she called her grandma and she didn't do they have according footage? to the grandma do they have footage or anything um, of her at the phones i don't know that they have footage of her at the phone but we'll get into like other footage that they may or may not have so her mom latisse ends up calling the sheriff's department a second time and she's really concerned that something happened to matrice at this point it's only been like six hours since matrice has been released so she's like okay I know that has been it hasn't been 24 hours can i still file a missing persons report and she's told that she should probably wait for the 24 hours to pass before filing but her family believes that matrice should have been placed on a 72-hour hold of some sort especially if she was displaying erratic behavior, and they don't know why that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So just for everyone that doesn't know, um, in California, a 72-hour hold, also known as a 5150, refers to an involuntary mental health hospitalization. So during that hold, a specialized team evaluates a patient for safety and reviews appropriate steps for securing stabilization. So basically, if you are a danger to yourself, you're a danger to others, or you're gravely disabled, they're going to hold you for 72 hours to make sure that everything's good. So while her family are like asking these questions, randomly at 6.30 a.m. that same morning of September 17th, a call comes in from a man who lives in Montanito, which is a ranch community about six to seven miles away from the police station and he reports seeing a woman in his backyard, just sitting in his backyard. And he calls out to her, are you okay? And she responds, yes, I'm fine. But then when he tries to now go downstairs, cause he sees her from an upstairs window, by the time he gets downstairs, she has already taken off. He still thinks that this is strange. He calls 911 and he describes seeing a tall, slim black woman with Afro hair. And that she was wearing possibly jeans or tight pants with a t-shirt so seems to fit the description of matrice right because matrice is black she's tall she has curly afro hair and she was last seen leaving the police station with her t-shirt and jeans on it's very odd when they say afro hair i don't know why i'm just always like okay curly hair you could just say curly hair I mean, this is literally what he said. Right. Like, you know, I'm right reading forward. it verbatim. Yeah, Who's playing um, music so loud outside? Like... So at around 6 p.m., her mom, Latice, she cannot wait any longer. And she heads over to the police station to file a missing persons report. And the deputy who was on duty at the time, so this is not the same deputy that she spoke to, he tells her, like, oh, interestingly enough, like, earlier this morning, there was a sighting in Montanito of, you know, a black female. And she's just kind of like, why did no one tell me anything? And he said it's so nonchalant, she said. Mm-mm. It later turns out that the police came over to the man's home that called 911 about an hour or two later after he made the report. So there's no urgency yeah. around this. no. Okay. And her mom's wondering, like, do they not connect the dots that this could possibly be Matrice? I mean, listen, this is a Malibu police station. Mm-hmm. Malibu, is there even crime in Malibu? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's- celebrities have been arrested there, apparently. Like, drunk right. driving incidents and, yeah. Right, but I mocks. think something like this is out of their league type of thing. Yeah. They're used to, like small things Mm -hmm. and they probably don't even know how to handle it i'm not making an excuse for them i'm just saying like they should have actually called in other people to handle it if they didn't have the experience right so after latisse learns of this new information she is looking into the montanito area and she is shocked at how windy the roads are and she doesn't believe that it would be possible for matrice to get there on foot so not only are there no lights it would be completely like pitch black at night or early morning it would be impossible for you to see in front of you and as we know Matrice left the police station with just her car keys and her license no phone nothing like she had no light source where was her phone so we'll get into that Um, On Friday, September 18th, her family, they start looking into Matrice's behavior just to see, like, what's anything happening prior to her disappearance. And her mom recalls that there were a few text messages that she thought were a little bit off, but didn't think too much of it because matrice's personality she's just like so bubbly and like loud and she's able to just explain her way through things no matter what but she made comments like she wants to be miss mother nature when she grows up because miss america is a fake ass joke i mean but then she would explain why she feels that way (laughs) (laughs) she would explain it right so her mom was just like well Okay, see your point of view. Right. In general, her mom never saw any signs of mental health struggles when Matrice was growing up. The family also discovered that right before her drive to Malibu, Matrice stopped at her Aunt Lauren's house in Inglewood. So this was on September 16th. And while she was there, she scattered business cards all around, like, her front porch and in plants. And she also left a note on her aunt's husband's car that said black woman scorned with a smiley face. Oh, okay. Which I thought was Hmm. a little bizarre. Seems like she's having an episode of sorts. Mm -hmm. So the next day, on Saturday, September 19th, Mitrice's case is passed to the Los Angeles Police Department since she lives in Los Angeles. They begin to search at the house where the 911 call came from. They bring out a canine dog and the canine dog is able to track Mitrice's scent. They're just following where the dog is leading them and then they notice that there are footprints along the path. And this is in the community of Montanito but then all of a sudden it looks like the footprints are getting like shorter in distance because she's running and then it stops. So they're searching for like eight hours and they uncover nothing. Then on Wednesday, September 23rd, 2009, it's about a week since the ordeal started, they decide to search her car. So the LAPD, they find her journal in her car and not only that, they find her cell phone and her wallet in her car. So she really didn't have much on her at all. No, when she was at the Joffrey's restaurant, yeah. she told police officers, "Like, I think my wallet is in my car," oh and gosh, it was gosh. an oversight because right. how is it that they're able to find it? The LAPD is now able to find it, but you, you, you didn't. guys weren't able to. But you so, see how- like, you got distracted by the marijuana, like that. You yeah. just stopped looking. The marijuana was, like, the spiciest thing that had happened in a long time in that community. Yeah. <laughs> so they probably saw it and was like, oh, this is going to be in the papers. I'm going to get a raise. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's just, it's so bizarre. So what they found in her journal was basically incomplete sentences. It was gibberish. Um, they were able to compare her writing to her social media, like Facebook, And they noticed that she was posting a few days up to her disappearance. And it was ongoing to the point where they were like, how did she get any sleep? So she had gone without sleep for days, apparently. Mm -hmm. And they believe, the LAPD believe, that she was having an episode caused by possibly bipolar disorder. When they found her wallet, her mom said that her debit card had at least two thousand dollars on it she could have absolutely paid for her meal like it wouldn't have been an issue so she was very upset that the responding officers were not able to find her wallet but now the LAPD can wow her family is very upset after hearing all this information they want to see the incident report they want to know if there's videos from the police station so her mother was told that there was no footage because cameras do not record; they're just there for monitoring purposes. Okay, you see what I mean? Where they're they're very on, like inexperienced. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you have footage? I mean, listen. For the longest time, they didn't have body cameras, right? So, for a reason to keep certain things, sure, you know, secret. I guess. But I don't know, it just seems like kind of weird that they wouldn't have any type of recording devices in a jail. Like, mm-hmm. wouldn't you want to see what was happening in real time where you could play it back, if anything? Right. I just very odd. And, and it's Malibu, so you definitely can afford the equipment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Again, they're used to like just simple things slap on the wrist type of stuff Mm -hmm. Um, where people are not asking for like footage right right, exactly on Thursday September 24th Matrice's family hires a civil rights attorney by the name of Leo Terrell and there's a conference that is held in front of the Lost Hills station that's a police station where Matrice was held And the Los Angeles Sheriff says everything was pretty much on point in terms of protocol that procedurally speaking was correct and he feels that everything that was done was morally right and he hopes that Mitrice is found. Her mom says that she feels that Mitrice is probably out somewhere scared and can't sleep and she's just worried and that she can't sleep herself as she's waiting to figure out what's happened to her daughter. And soon after this conference is held, the police report is finally released, and it doesn't say anything about Maiatrice being mentally unstable. There was nothing in there that said that the arresting officers were concerned about her displaying erratic behavior. There was nothing about that, but isn't this something like when they went to the restaurant that the manager told them, and I'm sure they experienced something? yeah, I'm sure that they did, but it wasn't in the report. Man, these police reports, let me tell you. From personal experience, I've had to ask them to edit it. Because they always seem to leave something out. Yeah. It's crazy to me. Well, something like this yes. would definitely require more paperwork, for sure. Right. And they probably didn't feel like doing it. I mean, that's a possibility. Hmm. Or they really felt that There wasn't anything about her that showed that she's mentally unstable. Maybe they really did believe that. But months go by, and by January 2010, her mom and aunt are now meeting with the captain and sheriff of the Lost Hills police station. And they're asking about the footage, if there's any. They really do feel like they have video footage, and they're just not releasing it. And they were right because the sheriff admits to having footage. And they said, well, previously the family only asked for video outside of the jail, outside of the building. And we don't have that, but we do have, you know, inside footage and you weren't specific. But her family claims that they asked for footage in general. So, yeah, now they have the footage. And in that footage, they basically see Mitrice in the jail cell and she's kind of just swinging her arms around in a way that they thought was bizarre. She looks like she wants to break out of the, the cell. She looks very upset. So that's definitely something that they took from the video. And they're just wondering, like, why did no one check on her? On January 9th, 2010, four months after she goes missing, the largest search in over 20 years is launched in Los Angeles. And there are no signs of Matrice. The following month, February 2010, Michael Richardson, who's Matrice's father, believes that he saw his daughter in downtown Las Vegas. So he immediately calls police and he tells them, hey, I'm pretty sure I saw my daughter walking down the street. He believes that she was prostituting herself and... Her mom's just not convinced. She's like, you saw like a lookalike, but it wasn't her daughter. She just believes that Matrice didn't make it out of Malibu Canyon at all. Oh, hmm Wow. The following month, um, March 29th, 2010. Okay, so March 29th, 2010, they get the actual footage. In January, they're told like, we do have the footage. Okay. So... That's interesting. I wonder, like, why it took so long, like, two months for them to actually be able to get the footage and watch it. Were they altering the footage? You never know. But aside Mm -hmm. from what I described before of Maitrice in the jail cell, they do see her being released at 12.28 a.m. And they also see a male deputy leaving the facility using another door. So he must have seen Maitrice outside, walking. So they're wondering, who is this guy? Did he give her a ride? What's going on? And when her family pressed on this issue, they basically were not given any answers. They were just simply told that the unnamed deputy was at the station to drop off an arrestee, but they didn't give any information as to like whether the deputy saw Mitrice outside, if he offered her help, nothing. They really like being stingy with the information But I also think that mm. they are thinking Now with like a lawyer lens Oh yeah Like we have to be careful what we say mm-hmm. About this and that And this is a potential lawsuit So We're I'm definitely going down the right track Because on June 26, 2010 Latisse Files six claims against The LA County Sheriff's Department Including negligence and wrongful death so, when you say six claims, just mm-hmm. so people understand, it's it's one lawsuit. Yeah. And within Multiple, that, it's just, yeah. like, basically think of claims as charges. Yeah. Like, you know, so what were some of the claims? Well, they didn't say all of them, but they, they did mention two out, out of the six. Negligence is one, and the second one is wrongful death. So, mm-hmm. as this is all unfolding another clue comes in I believe it may have been even the same day an old friend of Maitrese is in Vegas and he believes that he sees her he calls out to her Maitrese hey what's going on like good to see you and he says that she looked at him nervously runs out the casino so he finds this to be very bizarre well he's aware that she's been missing right right so he makes a report and from him making this report, it makes the Las Vegas Police Department actually hold a press conference because along with his report, there have been more than 70 reports claiming to see Maitrece in Las Vegas. Wow. Yeah. But again, Latice is not convinced that this is her daughter. She's convinced it, it's a lookalike. alike Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason for that? She just—is it just like the motherly instinct? Yeah, thing? yeah. It's just a gut okay. feeling that she just feels like no, like mm. she wouldn't be out there. She's here. But why would that girl run away? I don't know. That's just so odd. I just think that that is very bizarre. So on August 9th, twenty ten, at around one p.m the Malibu State Park Rangers are hiking down Dark Canyon, which is about two and a half miles from Montanito and about six and a half miles from the police station. So they are actually there checking a defunct illegal marijuana growing patch, which apparently, like, the cartel was growing marijuana. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and it had oh. been eradicated in, in 2009, about seven weeks before my trees went missing, eradicated me and like shut down. Yeah, gotcha. So they were taking a slight detour to get around the boulder, and all of a sudden, one of the rangers spotted what he believed to be a skull. Whoa. And then when he looks closer, he sees that there's also a body, like not just a skull, but like a full bone body. Wow. Um, And so they call in the sheriff deputy immediately. And when the deputies arrive, they observe that it was a naked woman with black curly hair, that she was partially mummified her skull and her spinal cord were detached from the rest of the remains. And as far as clothing, her belt, broad jeans were scattered a few hundred feet away from her. What do you say her skull and her spinal cord were detached? Yeah. Uh-oh. Okay, I can see the skull being detached, but yeah. what do you mean? Spinal cord, like her back bone was ripped out? Like, what do you mean? I just figured, like, if they were detached from, like... Her arm, her leg, like, I figured that the skull and the spinal cord were attached to each other, but detached from the rest of her body. Isn't the spinal cord this in the middle of our back? Yeah. So you think that basically the body was without the spinal cord entirely? No. What? What? I figured that her skull and her spinal cord were together. Right. And they weren't on her body anymore. Is what you're saying Yeah Yeah that's what I mean And the rest of her body Was not attached to that Yeah but I think that's Visually speaking Okay (laughs) Sorry y'all Visually speaking Your spinal cord is this Going down your back So that whole thing is missing It's connected to your tailbone Is it not? Yes it is So Okay I guess maybe part of it is missing Like maybe just the neck part is missing of the spinal cord, no. I figured that it is a neck part. Like, okay, that- so maybe the rest of the spinal cord is still there. Yes. Okay. Okay. Oof. I hope. That's Sorry, I needed a visual for you guys. Like, I, was, I was kind <laughs> oh, of worried. Okay, this woman's socks, shoes, underwear were never found. So what was found near her body, like her bra, belt, bra, jeans? So on August twelfth. 2010 the remains come back um, after going to coroner's office and it comes back as belonging to my Therese richardson mm. oh no yeah and then ooh, two days after that on august 14th um there's a report that's released from the office of independent review that basically they do investigations into like misconduct of a police station and so they finalized the report and they basically said that everything that the police station did was legally speaking sound and they followed protocol and everything they did was appropriate there was no legal justification for depriving her of her freedom by having her stay in the police station see that's where the law gets muddy You know what I mean? Mm Because they can argue, like, uh, we understand that as a parent you felt that way, but we literally, if, let's say they held her there. Yeah. And then she sued them. She could sue them. Sure. Right? For false imprisonment. Yeah. Actually, I mean, listen, of course the judge could hear about, like, well, her mom told her, you know, told them to keep her there, but Matrice is an adult. So... That's where things get a little muddy with the law, mm-hmm. like it honestly, rationally, it makes sense to see it as like they should have held on to her, yeah, but it's interesting once you step into the court of law how things can just be flipped around honestly yeah. I mean, it also mentioned that they gave her an opportunity to stay voluntarily, right, and she dismissed that and decided to go outside on her own. See, but the thing is, if there was any inkling about any type of mental incapacitation, Mm -hmm. that is where I would have an issue with this report. Mm -hmm. Because what steps did you take to ensure that she was safe for herself and also safe for others, right? Like what steps were there, you know, and My thing would also be, like, you got to go back and talk to the manager at the restaurant. And, like, what did the manager say to you? And based off of what the manager said and what the, you know, maybe that table she sat at said Mm -hmm. or, like, people, the employee said, like, based off of those interactions, you should have probably, you know, did your due diligence in that sense and just make sure that she really was of sound mind to leave. I don't know to what extent they went back and interviewed um, witnesses at the restaurant. Right. You know? It seems like this um, was like an internal investigation. Right. But the coroner's report basically um, came back and said that there were no signs of trauma whatsoever. And so her cause of death was undetermined. So it was not ruled as a homicide how long had she been out there they didn't say you know what because of there's just so many elements with nature that probably affected time of death but also like this is what i was trying to look up she was partially mummified right which i think is bizarre because it's california and i'm like California heat in the canyon. How are you mummified? Meaning I'm wondering like if she... I'm not so convinced that she died there. I feel like she may have been moved there. Uh And... But also not only that, the coroner apparently had advised the homicide detectives and the sheriff deputies to not move the body. They went against that. We'll see how that plays into how evidence is obtained. So two weeks later, for example, the coroner's team returned to the actual site on August 25th, 2010, and they found nine more of Mitrice's bones. Okay. So there was clearly like mishandling. Um, the way that the sheriff's department justified that is they didn't want to just leave the body there because they felt like an animal can come to the site and you know destroy more of the evidence. Well, wait, when was the coroner going to get there? Um, They didn't say, but I think the coroner just wanted them to wait. So when they, by the time they got to the body, it was basically sundown. Okay. And I think maybe the coroner probably wanted to wait for the following day when it's light out is what I mean. Uh, I don't know, because I feel like coroners will work in whatever conditions. They put up lights if they need to. Um, I don't know. I, I, that's, that's just what I assumed from, like, the show. I was like, oh, okay. Well, let's see. I'm gonna Google it. I mean, I looked at a few articles just now about this, and it doesn't say when the coroner planned to pick up the bones. It just said, you know, the coroner said, leave it in place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But apparently the coroner had given permission for them to, you know, when they thought it was just a skull. And it's fine okay. to, like, okay. you can move it. But when they moved it, they unearthed the rest of the remains. Okay. So then the coroner was like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute. No, leave it there. But apparently the investigators were afraid that, like, by unearthing the remains that, like, you know, animals could smell the scent. Right. And mm-hmm. that they would attack the body or attack the officers or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, again, I think if you put up, I don't know... Like I guess I feel like they're just not that experienced. And the coroner also said in his like years and decades of working on cases that he has never seen anybody move a body like this in such an unauthorized like way. I mean, they claim that like they misunderstood and that they they honestly believe that they did have permission to move the body. I mean, but obviously that claim is disputed. Yes. Um and then in November of 2010, her mom, Letice, her aunt Lauren, and a few others, which included anthropologist Claire Koff, they made their way to where Matrice's remains were found, and they wanted to memorialize that area. Okay. And when they did, unfortunately, they came across a gruesome scene, being that when they were just like moving dirt around, they found one of Maitrece's fingers. Ooh. Yeah. Well, finger bones. Oh. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. That's scary. And her That's mom was sigh. just like, Oh my gosh, what else is out here? Right. She's like, What the hell? Like, did, did they, they not do, do their, their job? job? Exactly. Yeah. So the coroner's team was notified of this and they eventually returned to the scene in February 2011 so this was a few months later that's crazy Mm -hmm. and they found even more of Mitrice's bones oh my goodness so how can Mm -hmm. they make a proper assessment on cause of death or anything if they'd even have all the bones it just doesn't or like you know all the bones that were actually available yeah it it does not make any sense to her mom she really just feels like Matrice was murdered. Right. Um, and not only that, apparently her arm was like across her chest in a way where, again, she's partially mummified. So okay. it was just like in place as if um, it was placed that way, as if she was wrapped in something. Oh. Huh. And then disposed of in the canyon. Oh. Mm hmm so the sheriff actually ordered that my body be exhumed in july of 2011 and re-examined and the coroner's ruling still remains the same that her death her cause of death was undetermined in august of 2011 her mom and her father settled with the lost hills county sheriff's office for nine hundred thousand dollars and this was basically based off of again, this is the the claim that I was seeing earlier of right. like wrongful death and negligence. Um, what they found is that well, they found a lot, but I'm trying to condense it, um, that the sheriff deputy that had responded to the scene that actually arrested Matrice, he did notice that she was acting out of character. Well, not out of character, but erratic, right? And he actually typed this in an email to a higher up. Oh. But he didn't put it in the report. Oh, gotcha. So they're like, mm, Got him. You didn't see erratic behavior, but yet you're seeing it here in emails. Oh. Yeah. And apparently other deputies that were at the station also saw that she was acting oddly. See, this is why people mm-hmm. don't be trusting the police because- you lied. You straight up lied and said, like, no, I didn't think anything was wrong. And it yeah. took for them to sue and probably do discovery, which is a process yeah, of, like, this, yeah. you know, once you sue... You this can do came discovery. up in discovery. Right. Yeah. And discovery means, like, you need to turn over certain things. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um And so... I remember in law school thinking, like, what if people delete stuff? You know what I mean? But there's so many consequences. If you delete stuff or try to yeah. hide something, it's, like, bad. So it's, it's like, very rare that you hear about people trying to delete stuff. Plus, mm-hmm. with technology, people could just, like, a lot of the time, see what you deleted. Um. So anyways, this must have come up in discovery. They probably said, we want to see all the email chains starting from this date through this date. Yeah. And that's probably how they found it. Mm-hmm. So they got that settlement deal. But honestly, I thought it was a little low. Same. Um, Yeah, that's just my opinion. The department ended up um, changing some of their policies. So, for example, the department now allows for missing persons report for adults to be filed sooner. And they now make sure that people have their cell phones and personal property returned to them before they're released from the jail. Interesting. So I guess my question is, because you said a lot of celebrities have been arrested and stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, if a celebrity is arrested, let's say on a DUI and Mm -hmm. stuff, were their cars also impounded? Like, did they leave? How did they leave the station? Did they take a cab? Okay, so I just looked up an article by the LA Progressive, and apparently in 2006, Mel Gibson, when he was arrested... By the same police department for drunk driving, he was driven home. No, he was driven to his car. And Matrice has the car, right? She could have been driven to her car. Right. That was technically, like, a 20-minute a twenty minute drive. Right. And it doesn't say, car. right, like, how long his, like, how far his car was, like, from there. But the yeah. fact that he got preferential treatment says, you know, it tells us everything we need to know. He's a celebrity. He's a white man. Right. Yeah. I'm sure he probably didn't even have to ask. Yeah, they probably were like, they all probably jumped on it, like, "I'll drive you." Yeah, (laughs) shit, I can imagine it now. Mm -hmm. So, as of today, has there been any progress? Like nothing. So her case remains open, um, according to the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, right? Um, But it's listed as a death investigation because it was not ruled as a homicide. Mm -hmm. They don't have any new leads, though this is a tough one because it's like there's no real inkling as to like what happened to her yeah did someone grab her like and torture her was she how long has she been dead was it really her in las vegas and then right you know because the las vegas incident happened like a few months before her body was found right but like you know if those were her regular clothes that they found like the jeans the pink belt like yeah you was, know it seems like if anything maybe it's her doppelganger a doppelganger is apparently someone in las looks, vegas yes yeah, yeah it looks exactly like you like apparently there are people out there that exist that look exactly like you yeah and, i mean if her dad was like oh my gosh that's my daughter and that's her a little friend strange. too yeah it's like but a parent a parent like being like that's my daughter right yeah. i don't know i've read stories about that online one started out as a doppelganger story but then it turned out that they were triplets they were brothers that were triplets and so they ended up going to college in the same area so their friends would be like i saw you yesterday you didn't say hi and he's like what the hell are you talking about and so it, it turns out they were all adopted and they didn't know they were into into different families. yes yeah and we're never told so that was wild um but i don't know the whole thing is just It's hard to say one way or another. I do think that, like, they could have done their due diligence, though. And, you know, the cop writing that in an email that he felt like she was acting erratically tells us everything we need to know. He had an inkling. Mm -hmm. And he should have, you know, talked to somebody. But the other thing is, he wrote that to a higher up. So now it's the higher up's job to actually do their job. Yeah. You know, and I don't understand why they chose not to you know they probably thought okay she'll be fine but again like walking outside in the dark like that's scary first of all and she apparently was afraid of the dark terrified i don't know i feel like well will we ever know the answer no i don't think we'll ever know the answer to what happened to her yeah But it's unfortunate because it could have been prevented. Yeah. So her mom was saying, actually, that she has a lot of guilt for not rushing to the Lost Hills station. As soon as she, like, called and confirmed that Matrice was there, she feels like she has something to do with her disappearance and her death. So because of that, she now, like, suffers from anxiety and depression. Oh, no. Yeah, she really struggles with that. And she's in the process of writing a book about Matrice and her own struggles with mental health now. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's just really sad. As for her dad, Michael Richardson, he said about Matrice, she was my heartbeat. She was my everything. People say, hey, you got to move on. And he said, you never move on, but you carry on. Hmm that's deep that's so sad because again it's like it seemed like she just started having these episodes and her Mm -hmm. family didn't really see it coming so yeah the whole thing is just so bizarre from start to finish the story Mm -hmm. is just like really it's hard doing these types of like cases because I like the finality of it like I like to feel that there's a conclusion there's an ending it's very clear you know what i mean no matter what that ending is and here there's no sense of you know a conclusion like as to what happened you know that's always a tough part with doing cases like this one yeah but that's all i have that's the story of matrice richardson that's a tough one Mm mm-hmm Tune in next week for another episode of It's the Mystery for Me, and, you know, don't leave the police station late at night. Just stay. And even then, it's like, she probably wasn't even her right mind, so it's like, you know... I don't even know if they told her that her mom had called yeah, for her. Yeah, who even knows? I don't believe so. I don't Do think that Do we even know ever... for sure that they told her she could stay as an option? Like, was that on camera? You know what I mean? Like... That part, I'm not sure. But I think in the deposition, the jailer did say that they told her she could stay voluntarily. Right. Like in a cell. But, you know, those are just words. Mm -hmm. And if they lied about, you know, them saying, oh, she didn't act erratically around us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. what's to say they didn't lie about them saying, hey, you could stay. What if they told her you have to leave? You can't stay here. Right. You know, so I don't even know really don't even know what advice to give out just be careful out here i guess Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's a spooky world spooky season is not just halloween y'all and with that being said we'll see you guys next week for another episode of it's the mystery for me bye guys